Genesis chapter 24, uh, we see in this chapter, Isaac is going to take a bride. Amen. Isaac is going to take a bride. So in the 24th chapter, verse 1, Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from which thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware thou that thou bring not my son thither again. Amen. Father, we come before you right now. Ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word. Speak to us in and through it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Isaac takes a bride. Amen. Now, obviously, Isaac is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Abraham is a type of the Father. Amen. And we see this servant, Eliezer. We know his name by the 15th chapter in verse 2. Eliezer is a type of the Holy Ghost. Now, that doesn't mean you have three separate gods or three separate persons. What you have is God in manifestation. God as Father, God as Son, and God as Holy Ghost. Amen. But what we have here typically laid out for us is Eliezer, which is a type of the Holy Ghost, is in the process of going out and seeking a bride for the Son by the commandment of the Father. So that Abraham is a type of Father God. Amen. Eliezer is a type of the Holy Ghost. And the, of course, Isaac is a type of the Son, Jesus Christ. So everything we see in this chapter is a type of a bride being sought for the Lord Jesus Christ by the Father. Amen. Now, as we go through it, we'll see some very interesting things. It'll also help you practically to understand how to seek a bride or a wife in your life. Obviously, some of us already have that. So we don't have to be seeking. But there are things in the Bible that teach us about seeking a bride, and this is one of them. This is the way God seeks a bride for uh, Jesus. Amen. Okay, verse 1. Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Say, the Lord had blessed Abraham. In all things. And at this time, Abraham said unto his eldest servant, again, Eleazar 15 and 2 tells us that, that ruled over all his ha house, he said, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord God of heaven and the God of earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. First thing is that as this servant Eliezer is going to go out and search for a bride for Isaac, the first command is this, is that they must not be from the Canaanites. Okay? The Canaanites were pagans. New Testament would be that they are representations of the unbeliever. So the first command is this, is that a bride cannot be taken from the pagans or the unbeliever. So she must be a believer 
if she's going to be married to Isaac, who is a believer. Okay, so the first thing, requirement for a believer, if they're going to get married, is that they marry a believer. It is forbidden in the scripture to be unequally, unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. So the Bible tells us right here that uh, there was not to be a woman taken from the Canaanites or an unbeliever. Now, continue, the Bible says, but thou shalt go into my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. This is a picture of the redeemed. You're going to take a, a, a wife from my kindred or from my family or from the redeemed. It's a type of the redeemed. So no unbeliever, they must be uh, from the redeemed. The scripture continues. Verse 5, the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Next requirement is, is that once she is located, she's a believer, she's of the redeemed. Third thing is she must be willing to leave her land and come to his land. He is not to leave his land and go to her land. She is to leave her land and come to his land because he's the headship. Do you understand that? So at any time, I will say this, if you find somebody in another church, if you're a woman and he's a man, normally you will be willing to follow that man to his church. Amen. Do you understand that? I have seen sometimes in the past where there was a marriage that took place between two people, different churches, and the man went with the woman to her church. But most of the time, you will see that it is the woman that will follow the man to whatever church he is in. All right, do you understand that? Uh, and if you're talking about a little geographical situation, the Bible's very clear. She must be willing to follow you to your land. You are not to go to her land for the sake of marriage. Okay, praise the Lord. All right, so we see these qualifications being laid out here. And then the scripture says this, um, verse 6, And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son thither again. No, don't take him back to the land where I came from, which is Syria. Uh, but she must be willing to come uh, to his land. Verse 7, The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house, and from the land of my kindred, which spake unto me, and that swore unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son, from the fence. So there's an angel that's going to go before the servant in this process of choosing a wife for Isaac. Verse 8, And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath, only bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master, and swear to him concerning that matter. Say amen. amen. Do you see that? In verse 10, And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed, for all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he rose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. And this is obviously the brother of Abraham. Verse 11, He made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of even, even the time when women go out to draw water. So we see he makes this long journey. And uh, he gets there to the city, and the Bible says that the camels, there's a total of ten of them. Say ten, that's a lot of camels. Ten of them, and they kneel before 
the well of that city. So a camel is a type of prayer. It's a type of prayer. Prayer takes us to the to Jesus Christ. Amen. It's the transportation that takes us to Jesus Christ. So they kneel down. Uh, the Bible says before or without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. Verse 12, he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. The next thing is, we'll notice that the servant enters into prayer concerning this wife for Isaac. He begins to pray. And he prays about two things. Well, number one, we know that she has to be of the kindred of Abraham. Number two, uh, we have another requirement is, is that she comes and she offers water to Abraham. Okay? Are you with me here? And this is all backed up by prayer. So we see what happens here. The Bible says in verse 12, He said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand there by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. Next qualification, she must be able to draw water. Amen. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink, and she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be he that thou hast... Uh, amen. Let me back up. And I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. All right, verse 15. Came to pass before he had done speaking, that behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon a virgin. Neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up again. So we see here this woman is a, a woman who has the ability to draw water. She's a picture of people who know how to pray, who know how to get a hold of God. Amen? And the scripture tells us she is in the place of drawing water where young women go out in the evening time to do this. Now notice the scripture says, as we continue, that verse 16, the damsel was very fair to look upon. Okay? So she is a woman that can be depended upon because she's a woman that knows how to draw water. She knows how to get in touch with God typically. And then the Bible says she's very fair to look upon. Now, some people will make this statement that looks are not everything. Amen. I will say this to you that looks are not everything, but we'll notice that this servant has some other qualifications that have to be met. Okay, you understand we've already mentioned those to you. But one of the qualifications is that she was very fair. That means even though that she was busy working, she had to make herself attractive. Amen. And, and this goes for the man also. Amen. If the woman in the process of working does not make herself attractive, or let's say the man always dresses like a tramp all the time, you're going to have problems in the marriage. Amen. So in the process of working, whether you be a woman or a man, it is important that you make yourself attractive uh, for your partner. Because if you do not, I promise you, there will be trouble in the marriage. Amen. And a lot of times people just let themselves go 
Because they have this ideal, well, if he loves me, he's going to love me for what I am. If she loves me, she's going to love me for what I am. I'm telling you by the Bible that looks are not everything, but looks are something. Amen. So one of the qualities that was looked for in this woman was that she was fair. Are y'all with me? And I'm spending a little time on this. Because we have been sucked into the philosophy that says that looks aren't everything, so we don't really care what we look about. They're just going to have to say, accept us for the way we look. Well, praise the Lord. That, that's a wrong philosophy to have. You, you got to keep yourself in shape. Hallelujah. You need to make yourself look the best you possibly can. Now, obviously, Rebecca is not going to be the kind of woman that the Canaanite woman would be. Rebecca's not going to be a woman that's going to dress immodestly. She's just not going to dress that way. She is a part of the redeemed community. She's a part of Abraham's family. They're going to be living godly. They're going to be living modestly. Amen? But modesty, you can dress modest and still be attractive. Look at your neighbor and say, take care of yourself. Well, it's quiet in here. You didn't think I would focus on that, did you? You thought I'd focus on everything else, but I think you understand the rest of it. But the problem is sometimes I think people get married and they just let themselves go. You will have problems in your marriage. Amen? Because I don't think a woman wants to live with a tramp. I don't think a woman wants to live with somebody that never takes a shower, never takes care of themselves, doesn't care what they look like. Amen? And I don't think a man wants to live with a woman like that either. All right, well, you're just supposed to stay together no matter what. Well, that's true, but you're going, I'm just telling you, you're going to have problems in your marriage. How many of y'all want to be successful? Good. I want it to be successful too. Hallelujah. Amen. So uh, the Bible says the damsel was very fair. The Bible did say something about that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God forgive me. But when I went over to Zambia, you know, I wanted to meet uh, Salome because, you know, there's something in the works over here and uh, with Jared and everything. And when, when Salome walked up, I just couldn't hardly believe how beautiful she was. And I, and I told her, I said, you know what, Jared's not going to be able to sleep for a month. <laughs> when I show him this picture, you know. Praise the Lord. Well, you say, but you're not supposed to go by outward appearance. Well, I know she's already an intercessor. She knows how to get in touch with God. And I hate to get into things you don't even, you don't even know who she is. And I hate to kind of meddle here, but I'm just telling you, you know, it is important. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm, that's as far as I'm going to go. Aren't you glad, brother? That she didn't have one leg turned a different direction. I mean, that's okay too, but I'm not trying to, forgive me, and eyes going different directions. And I mean, if, that, if you have that problem, that, I'm not trying to put you down. I'm just telling you that being fair, hallelujah, is important. Take care of yourself. Do you think anybody's going to even want you if you don't look attractive? Come on, man. Once they get you, then they don't want to stay with you. Are you with me? Amen. A long time ago, I knew somebody, and I'm not going to name names or anything like that. But, you know, she, she, was, she let herself go. She's not in very good shape. She let herself go. 
Well, number one, she married a younger man. Okay, she was an older, a little bit older than the, this younger man. And I thought in my mind, I didn't say anything, but I thought in my mind there's going to be problems in this marriage. Number one, she married a younger man. Number two, she didn't take care of herself. They ended up in divorce. The younger man went for another woman. And after that younger man went for another woman, you know what she did? She started getting, she tried to get in shape. I didn't say anything, but I thought to myself, you should have done that before you lost him. So I'm not condoning that kind of situation or that thing. Are you with me here? But I am sick and tired of seeing people just let themselves go and they don't try to be attractive for their spouses, for their mates, and there's all kinds of problems in their household as a result of that. And if you don't like it, just I'm just, I'm just saying you're going to have to receive it because it's the Bible. Amen. Amen? So I call this church, I'm telling you as a church, I'm telling you, you need to get yourself together. You need to make sure you take care of yourself. Health, your health-wise, physical appearance, all these things. Look at your neighbor and help me preach. Say, it is, it is important. And I didn't think it was important until this morning. <laughs> but it is. Hallelujah. Some of y'all ought to be praising God that I'm talking like this. But some of you are scared. You're afraid to praise God for what I'm saying. That's right, because you get a knot in the back of your head. Amen. Okay, be modest, but be fair. Hallelujah. Be attractive. Make yourself attractive. If you're a man, don't be a tramp. If you're a woman, hallelujah. Enough said. Dress modest, be attractive, make yourself attractive. So she was very fair to look upon, and the next thing, she was a virgin. There was moral purity in her life. So the qualification is moral purity as well. Amen? If you find somebody that's not faithful before your marriage, unless something happens into them by way of regeneration, except a new birth takes place in that person's life, by the way, they should be born again anyway, if you're a born-again believer. But I will say this. If they're unfaithful before they get married, they'll be unfaithful after they get married. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's just the way it is. Okay? So it's important that there's moral purity in that person's life. I'm not saying a person can't change. Y'all believe this. How, how, many you, how many can you expect somebody to be faithful to you if they weren't faithful before they met you. And I ask a question today, and I'm not gonna I'm gonna try to not, you know, get into this too deep, but I wonder just how many people are virgins before they get married in this generation. There are very few people that are virgins before they get married in this generation. It is important, I'm just gonna say it to you, you won't hear any from anywhere else except the Church of the Living God. It is important that a person be a virgin before they get married. Amen? It will strengthen your relationship. It will strengthen your marriage when you get married. And I promise you, I'm not saying you're going, your marriage is going to fail, but I promise you, if you've had sexual relationships before you get married, you're going to carry problems over into your marriage. It will affect you. And I don't know any honest person that would not say, Pastor, that's true. 
Because I had sexual relationships before I got married. I'm having problem in my marriage with sexual relationships. If you're honest, you'll tell me that's the truth. Okay? So it's important that we have moral purity. Hallelujah. The Bible said, Neither had any man known her. She was a virgin. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up and the servant ran to meet her. Amen? She's a woman of character. She's a woman that's moral. She's a woman that's modest. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, as we look at it, the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my Lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. Wow. The providence of God is at work here. Number one, when the servant shows up to the city, he goes to the well. The Bible says, here comes Rebecca. She just happens to show up at that time. Amen? One of the qualifications is that she draws water. She just happened to show up at that time. Another requirement is that she offer water to the servant, that she waters the camels, right? And she just happened to be willing to do that. And you say, that was just a chance, that was just an accident. No, because the servant had prayed to God. There was prayer behind it. So it was the providence of God that allowed this meeting to take place. Amen? She just happened to be from Abraham's family. She just happened to be willing to offer water and give water. Just happened to be. The world would say that was all chance. It was just an accident. It wasn't chance. It was the providence of God. Which leads me to my next statement that you're not going to like. If you go to church, amen, and, uh, you know, he, the servant will say in a little bit, I was in the way. That means the way of obedience. Are y'all here today? And he said, I was led by the Lord. You'll see that in a moment. What we have here is that this man, when he goes to get a bride for uh, Isaac and Rebecca shows up it's the providence of God amen he's where he should be and she's where she should be therefore the right person is chosen if a anybody it doesn't matter if young old young middle aged or old if a person is out of the will of God they're going to find the wrong person. You can't be out there in the world, living in the world, and think you're going to find a believer in the world and find the right person. So you're, the providence of God is going to connect you with the right person if you're in the right place. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're in the church, the providence of God is going to connect you. You're, if you're in the right place and you're in the will of God and you're obedient to God, then God is going to bring somebody into your life by His sovereignty. And you will meet that person by the providence of God and they will be the right person. 
But if you get out of the will of God, you're no longer obedient to God. You're not led by the Spirit of God and you're not in the right place. Then you will connect with the wrong person because you're in the wrong place. And some of y'all are still praying, say, Lord, I think I made a mistake. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you, I mean, now you're in the church, right? So what you did in the past should be under the blood. So you should be okay, right? But I'm talking to believers today. I'm talking to believers. I'm talking to those people who know what's right, who've been, you've been in the church, maybe raised in the church, and you leave the church of the living God, and I promise you, you are going to find the wrong person. Because you're going to make connections with wrong people because you're not where you should be. If you'll get in the church of the living God, you may look around, you may not see anybody for you. That doesn't make any difference because God has the, has a power and He has the ability and the wisdom to bring somebody because you're in the right place. You're in, you're obedient to God. You're being led by the Spirit. God has the ability to bring somebody to you. Amen. That will be the right person. But you get out of the will of God and you start running and looking into the world for somebody to be married to, I promise you, you will meet the wrong person. Amen. You go to college to find a spouse in college, I promise you what you'll find is somebody that's concerned with education. You go to a bar to try to find somebody, amen, you want to hit the party scene to try to find you a mate, I promise you what you'll find in the bar scene is somebody who is not responsible that may lead you into welfare. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You get connected to somebody and their mama was a charismatic. Amen. She really wasn't committed to God. You're going to have the same kind, you're going to get the same kind of person that mama was. You got to be careful when you are seeking out a spouse that they're in the will of God, in the way of God. That means they're obeying God. They're in His will. They're led by the Spirit. And trust the providence of God to connect you with the right person. The moment somebody thinks that they got to change this, go here, look here, go over to another church or whatever, I'm telling you, they're already messed up. If you will stay in the way of God, obedient to God, if you will be led by the Spirit of God, God will provide for you a mate. And it'll just happen. I met Sister Christina in church. I didn't meet her in college. I didn't meet her in the bar scene. Woo! Boy, I'm preaching this morning. And that's why it's quiet. Because you don't like what I'm saying. Amen? And I'm just going to lay this out for you. I was a virgin and she was a virgin before we got married. Amen? And we've been faithful to each other ever since. I'm just going to tell you that. And I'm not ashamed to tell you that today. But I found her in the right place. Amen? And she found me in the right place. Hallelujah. And she's got a big challenge on her hand even finding me in the church. Amen? I'd hate to, I'd hate to have had some kind of arrangement outside in the world. Amen. God knows what He's doing. Right, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, forgive me, but Sister Lori was in the church. She looked around, didn't see anybody. And somebody in the world started coming around and trying to, you know, sweep her off her feet, try to take her out of the church of the living God. And I was going to let her go because it wasn't the will of God. And I told her that. 
It's not the will of God. She's fixed to leave the church over it. Praise the Lord. And the day that she was fixed to leave the church, my wife went and talked to her over here when she was living back here. And she, my wife went and talked to her and she changed her mind. Hallelujah. And right after that, here come Thurman. Thurman walked into the house of God. Hallelujah. Thurman got the Holy Ghost. Thurman got baptized in Jesus' name. And would you believe the providence of God brought them together? Amen. Say amen. amen. God knows what He's doing. But He's looking around right now and you don't see anybody for you. Well, praise the Lord. You've got to trust God. You've got to stay in the way, the way of God, which means be obedient. You've got to be led by the Spirit of God. Be in the place you should be and the providence of God will connect you with the right person. You're not going to find them in the world. You're not going to find them in college. You're not going to find them in a bar scene. Amen. You're not going to go and marry some charismatic, some other religious person. I know you don't like what I'm saying, but I don't care. You want me to just look at you? <laughs> what you're doing to me right now, you're just looking at me. That's why we got the problems we have. Praise the Lord. If it was, if I wasn't in the right place, amen, I wouldn't have, made, wouldn't have met the right person. And I promise you today, if you're believing mama or daddy, and, and your child is not in the church right now, they're going to find somebody that's in the world and you cannot put your approval on them. You can't do it. Because they were in the wrong place and met the wrong person. You get in the right place, they'll meet the right person. Hallelujah. Give God a hand clap of praise. So you just, you have to be like Abraham. And you have to look at your kids and you say, they're in the world, I don't even want to meet them. I don't even want to meet him because it's not in the will of God. My daughter can tell you, right, Sister Victoria? My daughter told, she said she met somebody, praise the Lord, and he wasn't in the church. His name was Thomas Lawson. Wasn't in the church. She said, Daddy, I want you to see Thomas. I said, I don't even know. I don't even look at him. But I got a picture of him. I don't want him to see the picture. It's not in the will of God because he's not in the church. Hallelujah. I'm just telling you the truth. I, pra I practice what I preach. I said, I didn't want to see a picture of it. Hallelujah. She always gave me a hard time about it, even to this day. You didn't even want to see a picture of it. And they laugh, you know. I say, that's right. I had reasons why I didn't want to see the picture. They wasn't in the church. Hallelujah. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me one Sunday, and he said, go ahead. You can go ahead and meet him. I'll allow you to meet him. So I, I met him, praise the Lord. And uh, guess what happened? He ended up getting in the church by the providence of God, getting baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. And at that point, then I could start, you know, at least considering, <laughs> at least considering the possibility maybe. But until he was in the church, absolutely not. I cannot go with it. At no way. No way, no how. Hallelujah. To the land. Praise the Lord. So see, you don't know. Some of you don't know the way I live. You don't know the hard decisions that I've made. And some of you today, uh, you're in disagreement with me even at that on that point. But it's, at some point, you know, just like Thurman came in, Lori was already in the church, Thurman came in after Lori was in the church. Amen? So it, it can happen. But I'm telling you, it's going to have to come under the approval of God's Word. If it does it, you cannot be unequal yoke with an unbeliever. It's impossible. 
So just forget it. No, I don't care how pretty they are, how handsome they are. I could care less about all of that. I don't care how much money they make. Is it the will of God? See, some of you, I'm just going to be honest with you, you don't know the decisions that your pastor makes behind the scenes. You don't know them. Amen? And that's why sometimes I will stand up and I will say things to you because I live it. And I practice it. I don't just preach it. I live it and I practice it. And some of you start compromising along these lines. And I'm just telling you right now, your pastor's not a compromiser. Never will be, never have been. Amen? They, I cannot compromise with the Word of God. I cannot do it. And nor can you, church. Nor can you. Hallelujah. There has to be certain qualifications that have to be met. Amen. So we see she was in the right place at the right time. And the servant was in the right place at the right time. And the providence of God brought them together so they would be right for each other. It was according to the will of God. Amen. Amen. And my, my, wife, my daughter often tells me, Daddy, why'd you make me marry him? Why'd I make you marry? I go, what are you talking about? I get blamed for everything. And then Thomas come back. Yeah, why did you? <laughs> get blamed for everything. Man, you can't win for losing. You might as well just know that, parents. You can't win for losing, praise the Lord. You say no, you're a villain. You say yes, you're a villain after the fact. Just the way it is. Hallelujah. Why do you? I'm going, I didn't do that. You made that decision. Praise the Lord. How many of you want your kids to meet the right person? Then they have to be in the right place by the providence of God. And I promise you, the more you let them play out there in the world, they're going to come in contact with somebody that's in the world. Then what you going to do? And if they do it and they go against your will, at least you're right with God. At least you won't die and go to hell. But I'm not going to die and go to hell because I put my approval on something that's not biblical. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to die and go to hell for anybody. And they might do it, they, they get older, they might do it anyway. But you better not put your approval on it because you're going to end up in hell too. You can't do it. My old pastor, Brother Dice, told me this. So you start marrying people that you're not supposed to marry to, marry, put together, you start doing the ceremonies you're going to end up dying and going to hell with them. So if I see things that are not right when it comes to two people being brought together, I won't get involved with the ceremony. There's no way. I'm not going to die and go to hell just to make you happy. And you as parents can't die and go to hell just to make your kids happy. Because they're going to meet the wrong person because they're in the wrong place. Say amen. Now this is heavy, but this is real. That's why it's so important that they stay in the house of God. They stay in the church. Because then they'll meet the right person. And marriage is hard anyway. Don't you know that? Anybody know that? You know, the Word of God convicts us, doesn't it? I said, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It convicts us. It convicts your stupidity, your ignorance. You say, well, pastor, you're not a true pastor. You wouldn't talk like that. I tell you that. Some of y'all are ignorant. Because you think you can set up situations that are not in the will of God, you know, and then hope for the right outcome. It's not going to happen. 
You're going to have to stay in the right place. You're going to have to stay in the will of God. You're going to have to lead your kids in the will of God. You're going to have to tell them no when it's time to tell them no. And if it qualifies, then you can say yes. Say praise the Lord. Marriage is too long and marriage is too hard. I'm going to tell you, I'm, a, I'm pretty much a grandpa now. Age-wise, that doesn't mean Victoria's going to have a baby. But... Amen? How many of y'all want to hear Grandpa talk this morning? Grandpa's talking. <laughs> no, it's the Bible. I'm just using the Bible. I'm just telling you the Bible. Amen? Now, I do believe that if you married before you got in the church, then both of you can come in the church and God can forgive both of you and give you the grace to, to make it in your marriage. Hallelujah. If you got married before you entered in the church and you're married to an unbeliever right now, the Bible is clear you don't divorce that unbeliever. Amen. You just trust the grace of God to live. Hallelujah. It's not going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. I like what I heard well, one old rancher. They... This one old rancher, the government's been fighting, you know, them for over 25 years about land issues and things like that, just all kinds of stuff, all kinds of problems. His dad has died, uh, the, the original one that purchased the land, he died. So now the son has to deal with the government, you know, problems that, that they dealt with for over 25 years. And so the one, the man that was doing the interview with Fox to this rancher asked the question, if you had to do it all over again, would y'all still buy this land, buy this ranch with all the problems you've had? The young man said, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I'm not asking for an easy life. I'm just asking for the ability, amen, to live through it, to make it through the difficulties. I'll never forget that as long as I live. See, some people will try, they're trying to make, the, make their life easier. You're not asking for an easy life. You're just asking for the grace of God to live through it. I will tell you, whatever you find yourself before you got in the church, the grace of God is available to you to help you make it through those difficult times. Say praise the Lord. Amen. So I'm just telling you as your pastor, I will put my foot down and say no to you every time. Unless it is according to the Word of God. If it's not, you're going to get a no from me. And I don't care if you get mad and quit. I don't care if you get mad and leave the church. You will get a no from me. Amen. 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 I say, you're a hard pastor. Well, I've learned from experience. Over there on Brazos years and years ago, young man, young, young girl got together. They started liking each other. I put my approval on it. I was perfectly excited about it, happy about it. But they started going off. They started living, you know. They weren't praying. They just, it, their walk was not what it should be. And I told them, I said, I'll tell you what, I can't put my approval on this because you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Your spiritual life is, is falling apart. Well, they took that as a, as a no forever. As a no forever. I just said, I can't do it right now. I have to wait a little bit. They took it as a no forever. They left the church. Today they're divorced. And both of them have been, been in jail. Both of them have been in jail. They would not listen to their pastor. The pastor wasn't trying to, to, to steal their joy in life. But I'm going to tell you something. You better make sure your spiritual life is where it's supposed to be. 
your walk with God. Because if it's not, I can't put my approval on it. You with me here today? There's a young man, an older, uh, an older young man, got got connected to a, I don't know, maybe uh, I don't remember the exact, but she was a young teenage girl, young teenage girl. He was an older man in the church, or older young man in the church. I said, I just told the young man, I said, I tell you what, all I'm asking you to do is let her grow up and mature and become of age. I said, I, there's no way I can put an approval on this type of arrangement. She's a young teenage girl. You're an older man. I said, I cannot put my approval on that. Let her mature. Let her grow up. Amen. Let her come of age. You understand? Got mad, left the church. As far as I know, they never did get married. He's dead today. He's dead today. They couldn't even find his body. When the Holy Ghost speaks to your pastor, it's not because he's trying to be Lord over you. It's not because he's trying to control every bit of your life. I'm sick. Listen, I, yeah, I've got something in me I'm a little bit concerned about. In fact, I'm tired of it. Because I've been blamed for being a control freak. I've been blamed for this and that and the other. I've been blamed for mishandling church funds. I've been blamed for all kinds of stuff. And I've had it. I've been blamed. Okay? For trying to control your prayer life and who you can pray for and who you can't pray for. I'm sick of it. I'm your pastor. I have a responsibility to have the oversight of your life, honey. And if you don't like it, hit the road and go join the rest of them. Join the rest of them. And, and if it keeps on going, I'm just going to tell you this. I've had enough. I'm going to call some of these people back to the church and making these accusations. I'm going to bring them before the church. I'm going to say, all right, you've got some things you're saying about me out there now that you're no longer in the church. You used to be in the church. And you're saying these things about me. I'm going to bring you back to the house of God. I'm going to let you bring your witnesses. And if you can't bring them, I will publicly remove you. You left on your own. I put my favor on it. Not my favor, but I accepted it and just said, okay, go. I wish you well. Now they've become my enemy. And they're accusing me of all kinds of things. I can bring them back into this church and, and let them bring all of their witnesses, amen, and accuse me publicly. And if I've done something wrong, then action will take place. But if I haven't done anything wrong, then action will take place concerning you and maybe legal action because I am fed up with it. I'm tired of living this way. I'm just telling you, I'm tired of living this way. And some of you people want to defend some of the people that used to be in this church. And I'm telling you, you need to join them. Because they're no longer friends of myself or this church. They are enemies. And they've made themselves that way. So, I, you know, Father, God, forgive me this morning, but I'm just telling you today that when your pastor tells you something, it is not because he's a control freak. I don't want even want to do this anymore. But I have a call on my life to tell you the truth. I have a call on my life to say no to you. It's not biblical. And some of you are going to get mad and you're going to leave before that. I'm going to tell you I wept in the conference when we were in San Antonio. I wept. You don't even know why I wept. Because some of you are not going to be here very much longer. Because you've let pride get a hold of you. And I wept and I cried. 
Because I know inside of me, some of you are making decisions. You're in conversations because you think your pastor is a control freak. No. I'm going to stay true to God. I'm going to stay true to myself. And I'm going to say no to you when I have to say no to you. And if you don't like it, then you can hit the road. And you can be like the rest of them. All they can do is come up with some of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life to try to justify their ignorance. Okay? So I'm just telling you, we have to go by the Bible. We have to go by the Word of God. And you might say, well, you're too hard, Pastor. Really? I'm too hard. Well, I will tell you publicly, I have never mishandled funds of this church. Okay? Never. Never. I'm not going to die and go to hell over money. Never. Okay? I've never taken anything that didn't belong to me. It came to me rightfully through the tithes as God has ordained by the word of the Lord and I have a right to use that money however I want to whether you like it or not. Amen. Amen. Now I'm just going to tell you this and I have a right to tell you you know, don't just lay hands on everybody. Put your hands on everybody. You have no authority to put your hands on everybody and pray. You're not, you don't have that kind of position or that kind of walk with God. I can tell you who to pray for and who not to pray for when it comes to a public meeting. I'm just going to tell you their name. Blossom, Jolene, Rangel. And her sister's sitting in the church and I hope she goes and tells them. But I have had enough of this. But if I'm going to pastor, I live it hard. Okay? I live it hard. With my kids, with my daughter, decisions that I've made have been hard decisions. Very difficult decisions. That's why I cannot stand compromisers. You'll never be able to find... You can accuse me, but you'll never be able to find wrongdoing in my life. Never. Never. You can accuse me all day long. Never. You understand? So I've seen it in the past. I've seen people that I've told. And I've, it had to be the Holy Ghost. I said, you can't do this. At least right now, you can't do this. It's not the will of God. It's not the right thing. They did it. It's a mess. I'm just trying to help you. I'm trying to protect you from destroying your life or somebody else's life. Amen? Amen? So you can accuse me of being a control freak and all that stuff if you want to. You know I want your best. But you're going to find the wrong person if you're not in the right place. Say amen. amen. Maybe this is not the place for it, but I'm just telling you that's where I am right now. Because in my spirit as a pastor, I have for years and years and years covered up insanity. And I've never told this church about the insanity that I have to deal with. Amen? So maybe it's time, and you might think I'm just angry and mad and bitter. Maybe I am. But I think it's time for you as a church to know the insanity that I've put up with for years. Okay? And I'm asking you to pray for me. Because I need prayer. I am fighting for my spiritual life and my ministry life. I am fighting for my life. Because I've had it. I've had it. 
You say, well, Pastor, you're supposed to trust God. I am. But I'm just telling you as your pastor, I have covered not just the people that left this church, but I have covered many of you for years and wouldn't say anything because that's the kind of individual I am. But I have had enough of this. So I'm telling you right now, I'm calling them by name. Enough is enough. Okay? Praise the Lord. And I don't have to tell you about the Labas. They've tried to destroy me from the time they got, they, they were given options because they were creating, she was creating problems for this church. And she was given an option. You stop trying, you stop creating problems and trouble between the saints. Or you can go and find another church. They left the church, went to another church, and they have done nothing but try to destroy me and this church from the time they left. They've tried to pull you out of the church. They've all kinds of crazy. They've lied on my daughter. Lied on her. How would you do if you had to deal with all this stuff? How would you do? I'm just telling you, church, enough is enough. And I weep. I weep. So we need to understand by the word of the Lord, if you plan on getting married, it better be biblical. Amen? Because if I'm willing to pay that price, even even my relationship with my daughter, I'm willing to pay the price to be right with God, with you. I will tell you, no, I can't do it. Because I can't do it. And, and number one, because I love God. Number two, I don't want to die and go to hell. God's going to hold me accountable for the people that I, I join in marriage. Amen? Now, then some of you, we get, mar- get you married and then you stop being accountable to your pastor because now you got what you want. Not working too good, is it? All right. So I say this, and I don't feel any check in my spirit. I don't feel that I'm grieving the Holy Ghost in what I'm saying today. I know God would be checking me right now. He would be putting a stop on me right now. I don't feel any check right now. I don't feel any restraint of the Spirit in me not to tell you what I'm telling you. Amen? Maybe when I got in the church and I started pastoring, I thought it'd be totally different. I wasn't expecting this kind of attack. But that's the way it is. Amen? So I'm going to just tell you something. If you think, see, here's the thing about it. If you, if you, if you're not right in the right place, you're not in the way of God, which means in obedience to God and led by the Spirit of God, you will affect the church. You will affect the church emotionally. You will affect the church spiritually. Okay? Alright. Forgive me. But it just happened, so happened to be, forgive me, Elena and Moses, the night that we joined you in marriage, with all the stress that's involved with that, that's when the Rangels called me and told me they were leaving the church. Is there anything right about that? No. Don't get mad and leave? Go ahead. I'm just telling you, there's nothing right about that. All right, so now I got a young man coming around trying to court Sister Norma. And I, I meet the young man. I tell him I like the young man. He's a, seemed like a good young man to me. Didn't have any problem. 
Sister Norma comes up and tells me one night, Pastor, I just don't feel that He's the one for me. I said, all right, I'll tell you what you do. In that, the context was that right there. She came to me and said, I don't feel like He's the right one. And I said, I'll tell you what you do. Put Him on the altar. Treat Him like a friend. In that context, He took it like I was trying to withhold her from Him. You know what He did? He got, a ho he got, a, he got connected with a neighbor of Bloss Rangel who all, they all go to live challenge and came up with all these things that come against me yet. And all I did was, because out of her mouth, she said, he's not the right one for me. I said, put him on the altar and be a friend. They went on attack mode. Okay? If you're not right where you should be, if you're not where you need to be, and you start gossiping against this ministry, there are enemies that are going to get that gossip and they're going to try to use it to destroy me. So that young man tried to destroy me in the eyes of this saint. And I told Sister Norma the truth. I told her the truth. Do you understand what I'm saying? Forgive me. But that's the way it is. People, you and I affect the church. We affect the church emotionally and spiritually. We need to understand that. I'm getting down. I'm just bringing it down to you. I'm bringing it down. Where, so to speak, the rubber meets the road. And so many times I just get up and I preach and I just try to stay away from these things and, and don't bring it out to you. And I know you don't like it. I know you want a church that, that's happy and full of peace and doesn't have to deal with anything. But I'm just telling you, not just for my sake, but for your sake. These are the kind of people they are. And some, uh, somebody in this church kept calling from this church to somebody that, to, to the Lavas that used to be in this church and, and gave her more fire against me. And they were lies. Gossipers. And if, if you didn't say it, she's going to take it and, and construe it that way. I'm just telling you today, I, the judgment of God is going to come on that kind of thing. You watch. You watch what I'm telling you. God's not going to leave that stuff and just let it go. He's going to judge those people like that. You watch what I'm telling you. And I'm not asking God to judge anybody. I'm just telling you that's what He's going to do. So you'll know the reason why I'm saying what I'm saying. I'm fighting for my ministerial life. Okay? Okay? Because I've just about had enough of it. I have to be a watcher over your soul. I have to tell you the truth. I want to go to heaven. I'm going to stand before God someday. Amen. So I have to be true to God and true to myself. Okay, so having said that, I will tell you this. So do you. And if you want to play the game, and you want to compromise with the truth of God's Word. Okay? Because somewhere in your mind, you know, your philosophy is working where this... Friend, the decisions you make have to be based on the Word of the Lord. Every situation we face in life has to be based on the Word of the Lord. How to handle it. If it's not based in the Word of the Lord, then what you're going to do is you're going to come up with philosophies. You won't handle them right and you won't have the right outcome. 
you can't compromise. It might cost you family, natural relationships. Amen? And they might come on with a good front. And this is what we'll see in a minute as I go through progressively. We're going to see Laban, her brother. She only had one brother, and that was Laban. Amen? And he's going to try to hinder the whole thing, but he puts on a good front at the beginning. But the family members are going to resist the will of God. We're going to see it. So if you're going to find the right person, it goes back to this. It has to be in the will of God and they have to be led by the spirits of God. The right place will connect you with the right person. If you get out of the will of God and you're not in the right place, then you will eventually find somebody that will be the wrong person. If you want hell in your life, get married to the wrong person. It will never be heaven. Never. So we see this woman, she's meeting the qualifications, and all the way to the providence of God behind it. Again, it wasn't an accident. God was the one that was bringing this about. She hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water and drew for all the camels. How many camels are there? There's ten of them. Ten camels. Do you realize that ten camels can drink 140 gallons of water? So this woman of God, not only does she have all these other qualifications, but she is industrious. She is a hard worker. She's not lazy. I promise you, man, you don't want to marry a lazy woman. She'll never clean her house. She'll never cook for you. She won't take care of you. Amen? Women, you don't want to marry a lazy husband. He'll never provide for you. This woman of God is busy, busy, busy. I'm talking about taking a picture, friend, not with a water hose filling the trough with a water hose or irrigation system. I'm talking about taking a pitcher and going down there one after another trip, one trip after another in order to, to water uh, 10 camels, possibly 140 gallons of water with a jug. He gave the, she gave servant the water and she gave the camels to drink out of the trough. Just You talk about industrious. Hard worker. Hallelujah. And I'm sure we got women like that in the church today. Hard workers. Just work day and night. Amen. And that was her. Camels are something else. You drink 140 gallons of water for 10 camels. You say, well, that's what the hump is for. It's got all that water in it. <laughs> they, don't, they store water, but they don't store water in their hump. Their hump is for energy. They do store water. Amen? They can travel over 500 miles without getting one drink of water. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. They, they've been known... Now, 500-something miles, that's a long way for a camel. They've been known to go 34 days, travel five, over 500 miles, and not drink any water. 
Amen? They're the transportation of the desert. They store energy in their hump. Praise God. They've got three eyelids to protect their eyes from the sand so they can focus on where they're going. They got a big old, you know, forehead that sticks out over their eyes to shelter their eyes. Amen. They're the transportation of the desert. Hallelujah. And they represent prayer. They knelt down. They represent prayer. That's what gets us to God. That's what gets us to be the... We, if you want to be the bride of Jesus Christ, and you have to be a person that's like the camel. You've got to be a person of prayer. Prayer is the transportation that's going to take... or The camel is the transportation that's going to take Rebecca to Isaac. Got to be able to stay focused. Sand blowing in your eyes. Stay focused. Got a, sh a shelter. Got to be able to store water. Have a lot of energy. But anyway, aside from that, I'm not going to preach the camel to you today. But she's their, their type of prayer. She goes down and she gathers water for all ten of those camels. What an awesome woman she is. The Bible says the man wondering and her held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And it came to pass as the camels had done drinking that the man took a golden earring a half shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands and ten shekels weight of gold and said, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee. Is there room in, in thy father's house for us to lodge in? All right? So what does he do? He puts a, a, a ring on her face, puts bracelets on her hands. Amen. And then verse 53 says, He brings silver, jewels of silver, jewels of gold, raiment, gave them to Rebekah. He gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. What's he saying while doing all of this? When he puts the, no, the ring on her face and, and puts the bracelets on her hands and brings forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and, and all this raiment, what's he saying? The one you're going to be married to can provide for you. The one that you are going to marry has got plenty of money. Rebecca, you're not going to be on welfare. Say praise the Lord. I know you don't like that either. You don't like anything I'm saying this morning. But there's some qualifications, not just for Rebecca the bride, but there's some qualifications for the man. Do you have enough money to provide for her when you marry her? You don't like that either. I know, I can tell. And when you, you know, I can preach this more than one way. I can preach it application-wise, which is what I'm trying to do this morning. But these are the gifts of the Spirit. These represent the gifts of the Spirit Amen. That we receive from the Father. Amen. The gifts of the Spirit. We have wisdom. The ring on the hand. On the forehead. Wisdom. The wisdom of God in our forehead. Are you with me here today? Bracelets on the hand represent uh, our ability to work for the Lord. Serve the Lord. Hallelujah. The gold speaks of His deity. The silver speaks of His redemption. I can preach it to you that way. I'm just telling you. The gifts of the Spirit. Amen.
letting her know you're not going into poverty. I know you don't like that either, but that's the truth. And the Bible says the very beginning of this whole story is that Abraham, the Scripture says that Abraham, the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Abraham has got tremendous blessings from God. It came from God. He didn't manipulate it. He didn't steal it. He didn't mishandle anything. The blessings that came on that man was from the Lord and he was willing to distribute that, those blessings. Not just to the bride, but even the family of the bride. You've got to have some money. You've got to have some wealth to start handing stuff out like that. Abraham was. So Rebecca, in case you know, uh, first thing I'm going to tell you about this one you're going to, they will provide for you. Question for all of you is when you get married, can you provide for her? But I just love him, Pastor. I just love him. Love. Love's not going to pay your bills. And love will get strained if you can't pay your bills. A lot of people end up in divorce because they can't pay their bills. So it's important that you're going, you're going to marry a man, make sure he can provide for you. See, I don't like that either, do you? I don't think you like anything I've said today. So if you're a man, you're thinking about, you know, courting somebody, well, you better put yourself in a position to be able to provide for them. Amen? I mean, you know, I know you're good looking, but she not, she cannot, you can't live very long on good looks. And love won't get you very far when it comes to paying your bills. Praise the Lord. So this is the beginning of it. It's the earnest of our inheritance. The gifts of the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the earnestness of our inheritance. Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? She said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nahor. She said, Moreover unto him, we have both straw and provender enough room to lodge. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. Are y'all with me here? Isn't that wonderful? And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not less left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way of the Lord. Look at that. He said, I was in the way of the Lord. That means I was obedient to God. And I'm led. And the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. I was in the will of God. I was obedient to God. I was led by the Spirit of the Lord. Therefore, I made the right connection with the right person. And the damsel ran and told them of her mother, uh, told them of her mother's house these things. Amen. Now, if you'll notice in verse eighteen, Rebecca, when speaking to the servant, says, "Drink, my lord." Not only does she qualify with all these other things that we've already talked about, but her talk is right. She's not crude in speech. She's respectful in speech. She said, "Lord," to that to that. You know? Now, listen to me, church. You men who want a wife, 
and she can't control her tongue. Woo! You better think a lot before you do it. Are y'all with me here? You better think about it. But she can't control your, if she can't control your tongue before you get married, it's going to get worse after you get married. It's not going to get better, it's going to get worse. If she cusses you out right now, she's going to really let you have it when you get married. I promise you. She got the tongue of a sailor before you marry her. She's going to have the tongue of ten sailors after you marry her. I promise you, it doesn't get better. Now, you have the ability to speak with respect to your husband. Your speech. I know I'm preaching good this morning. Man, I remember one time, a long time ago before I got married to Sister Christina, I was teaching a home Bible study to a, a, a young girl and her brother, uh, Bible study. And, uh, you know, so there was, you know how it is when you get around, I wasn't married or anything. So, you know, you sort of have these little attractions that go on, you know, in my mind. I'm a little attracted to this, this, I mean, she was the right age and everything. And I had a little bit of attraction toward her, you know. Hallelujah. I just be honest with you, had a little attraction. I'm thinking, well, she's in the church. Maybe she's the one. I remember one day I went to teach her a Bible study. She was going off in her room, man. She's throwing a fit. She's screaming and hollering. I said, mm -mm. Mm -mm. That's all I needed to know. <clears throat> Amen? Because I promise you, if they can't control their tongue before you get married, they're not going to be able to control their tongue after you get married. Her speech had to be right. Amen? She's hospitable, we see. She's willing to open up her house for this one to come in. In verse 29, Rebecca had a brother, and his name was Laban. Laban means white. Amen? That doesn't mean there's a Anyway, anything wrong with being white, but he's white. That's what his name means. Amen. So anyway, Laban is the only brother that she has, and he ran into the man of the well and came to pass when he saw the earring, the bracelets upon her sister's hands, and when he heard the words Rebekah's sister saying, Thus spake the man unto me, that he came unto the man, and behold, he stood by the camels of the well, and he said, Come in, thou blessed of the Lord, wherefore standest thou without? For I have prepared the house and room for the camels. Look how he, see, he's got this appearance of being excited. Well, probably, you know, the bling and... Yeah, he saw that, you know. So the man, the servant came into the house, he ungirded his camels and gave strong provender for the camels and water to wash his feet and the men's feet that were with him. The men's feet that were with him. Yeah. Remember God sent an angel before him? I don't think Laban realized it, but one of those men that were with Abraham was an angel of God. Washing the feet of an angel. And there was set, set meat before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told mine errand. And he said, speak on. He said, I can't eat until I tell you why I'm here. 
Okay, now here, which leads me to the next thing. You have to be deliberate when pursuing a relationship. You can't play hard to get. It don't work. Alright? You have to be deliberate. So the servant says, I'm going to tell you why I'm here. Here's the plan. Here's the mission. Okay? See, a lot of people, especially when they're pursuing relationships, I should really charge a lot of money for this. <laughs> then I'll be accused of... Anyway. But when you're interested in somebody, don't play hard to get. This man comes right out, the servant comes right out, and he says, this is why I'm here. It's deliberate. He tells them the reason. If you play hard to get, ain't nobody going to get you. You're saying, I'm just trying to make it interesting. No, you're not. Nobody's going to want you if you try to play hard to get, okay? So you have to be deliberate. Okay, second thing is this. Let your intentions be known at the, at the beginning. If you're not really interested, don't lead somebody on. Okay? It's better at the front, at the very beginning, to tell the person what your plans are, what your, that you are interested, alright? Amen? The other person says, well, I'm interested too. We got that taken care of. But if you're trying to play a game, playing hard to get, you know, praise the Lord, trying to make them jealous, it don't work. It's not going to work. And when you get into a relationship, don't, you know, just drag it on, drag it on, drag it on, and you're not even interested anyway. That can cause some problems for somebody. Tell them your intentions. You just met him today. I want to marry you tomorrow. <laughs> you're mine. Well, maybe that's a little extreme, right? <laughs> you might run him away too doing that. Amen. All I'm saying to you is this, is that make sure you're interested in the person before you get involved with them. If you're really not interested in them, just tell them. Nothing against you. I just, you know, you're, you're, I just don't feel that this is the one. You know, you're right. Do you understand? So this, this servant, when he comes... He's deliberate and he tells them why he's there. Amen? I'm not saying pop the question of marriage. I'm just saying let him know. I'm interested in you. I'm attracted to you. Alright? Nothing wrong with that. I'm, all I'm trying to do is protect you. If you're not, don't go there. You're messing with people's emotions. You're messing with people's life. You're not a gigolo. Amen? I know some of you think you are. You know, okay, I'm just too honest to be a pastor, aren't I? I'm supposed to be refined and I'm, yeah. Tell that young girl, you're a nice person, I appreciate your walk with God, but you're not the one. At least I'm not interested right now. Maybe later. Okay, just be honest. Tell her. And if you're the girl, 
Uh, Sister Norma came in to me and said, he's not the one, Pastor. I said, okay, just put him on the altar and be a friend. That's all you got to do. You know, hallelujah. But I did tell her, does he know that? You need to tell him. He needs to be told. Amen. If I ever preach a marriage seminar, I'm going to preach this right here. But I'm, I'm going to get rid of all the stuff that I told y'all earlier. <laughs> Amen. So he says, I'm not going to even eat until I tell you why I'm here. The message is more important than eating food. Okay? Hallelujah. There was set meat before. I'm going to tell you my errand. He spake on. And he said, I am Abraham's servant, and the Lord hath blessed my master greatly. And he has become great and and hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold, men servants, maid servants, camels and asses. And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old. And unto him hath he given all that he hath. And my master made me swear, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife to my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell, but thou shalt go into my father's house and to my kindred and take a wife of my son. I said unto my master, Peradventure the woman will not follow me. And he said unto me, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with thee and prosper thy way, and thou shalt take a wife for my son and my kindred of my father's house. Thou shalt be clear from this mine oath. When thou comest to my kindred, and if they, if they give not thee one, thou shalt be clear from my oath. And I came this day into the well and said, O Lord God, my master Abraham, if now thou do prosper my way which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin come forth to draw water, and I say to her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water of thy pitcher to drink. She say to me, Both drink thou and I will also draw of thy camels. Let the same be the woman whom the Lord hath appointed, say appointed, out for my master's son. It's God's appointment. Destiny. You have to understand destiny. Destiny is connected to people. If you make the wrong choice, it will affect your destiny. Can you do the will of God and be married to that person? Destiny is connected to people. You cannot get by without understanding that. All right? So you start making decisions. You need to understand. Is this person appointed by God? All right? Because they will affect my destiny. Now, the Bible says in verse 45, And before I had done speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came forth with her pitcher on her shoulder, and she went down into the well and drew water. And I said unto her, Let me drink, I pray thee. And she made haste and let down her pitcher from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. So I drank. She made the camels drink also. Look at this. This woman is on fire. She is energetic. She's on fire. It's a picture of the way the church should be. You and I should be energetic. We should be on fire for God. Amen? In a sense, I'm going to be honest with you, I believe that God has called me into the ministry to preach to a church, to bring a church to Him that's going to be the way it should be. Amen? 
And I know I appreciate you coming and listening to the Word of God, but there has to be a fire in you. There has to be an energy in you. Amen. If you're going to qualify to be the bride, she was energetic. She was on fire, man. You understand that? She wasn't lukewarm in her walk with God. For her to gather water just for the servant and the camels as well. Just kept going, kept going, kept going. And I asked her and said, whose daughter art thou? Said the daughter of Bethuel. Not only that, but number two, he's the right family. She's the right family. I bowed down my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, which had led me in the right way to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. Amen. Amen. And now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or the left. Right? Now I want you to notice something, the response of the family. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. This is of God. So we know it's of God. Do you understand? They, they recognized it was from God. But they're not sincere. They're playing a part. Now obviously, you know, when you got a man here and, and he's testifying about the providence of God, how this all happened, about how he prayed to God and certain things must take place as a sign or a witness that she was the right one. He shares this testimony. They know it's God. They recognize it's God. But their statement isn't sincere. Okay? They are going to become a hindrance to Rebecca. Alright, y'all with me? The Bible says, Then Laban of the Ewell answered and said, The thing proceeded from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go. Let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver, jewels of gold, raiment, gave them to Rebekah. He gave also to her brother and to her mother's precious things. And they did eat and drink. He and the men that were with him and tarried all night. They rose up in the morning. He said, send me away unto my master. They slept on it. They recognized it was the will of God, but they slept on it. They let their carnal mind get in, in, in the middle of it. I'm saying the family members. So the scripture says in verse 55, And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days. Notice that's in italics. A few days. At, at the least ten that she shall go. And we have, when we look at that, because of the italicized words there, ten day are the days. We think they're talking about 10 days. In that culture, the custom is 10 years. So really what they're doing after they, they've recognized the will of God, they're saying, let's wait 10. 10 years. It's an italics that says days. So what we see here is we see hindrances from family members. Amen? Now, verse 56, He said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way, 
Send me away that I may go to my master. Amen? And they said, We will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. Go, Rebekah, go. Go, church, go. Go, Rebekah, go. We'll ask her. See, the family members wanted her to wait ten years. Rebecca says, I will go. She doesn't just profess it. She doesn't just say she's going to do it. She puts it to action. She makes a decision to separate herself from her family members. To be joined to her husband, Isaac. It's her choice. Family members are trying to stop her, trying to hinder her. Give it ten years. No, she says, I will go. And then she does what she says she's going to do. There's a lot of people that make a profession of faith. I've seen people get baptized in Jesus' name and they even have the Holy Ghost and they won't follow Him. They make a statement when they're baptized, I'm going to be His disciple. I'm going to follow Him. They make a profession of faith, but they do not follow Him. Rebecca, because she is the type of the bride of Christ, is a person who not only says she's going to do it, but she put action to it. There's a lot of professors out there, but they will not follow Him. Amen. The Bible says this. Look at this. They sent away Rebecca, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men, and they blessed Rebecca and said unto her, Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands, of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. They prophesied to her that out of her would come nations. But you need to realize this. First year comes by, no baby. Second year comes by, no baby. Third year comes by, no baby. Fourth year comes by, no baby. Only until she's in the 19th year of her marriage does she conceive and gives birth around the 20th year of her marriage. But there's a prophecy that's been prophesied over her. Amen. And within her womb, nations, two nations will be in her womb. But she has to wait. You understand what I'm saying? She has to wait patiently. Be the mother of thousands and millions. Let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. Amen. Rebecca rose, so she puts it to action and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the men, the man, and the servant took Rebecca and went his way. And Isaac came from the way of the well of Lo-Haron, for he dwelt in the south country. Can you imagine Rebecca riding on those old camels? It's a rough ride. Rough ride, difficult. I know it's getting lengthy, but it's a long chapter. It's a long, hard journey. Five to eight hundred miles or so back to the land of promise. So she's got to deal with the dust that's blowing in her face. She's got to deal with the rough ride, the terrain. It's a very difficult time. It's tribulation for her. But she's willing to go through that tribulation, the hard journey. Because she's going to be married to Isaac. 
And she lights off of her camel. Here comes, here comes Isaac. He's going to go to the place of fellowship, this well, which means this is where he sees me or he sees me. God knows where I am. He sees me. So he goes to this well. This is the place that Isaac would go for fellowship with God. He would say, God knows where I am. God sees me. Here comes Rebecca after that long, hard journey. The Bible says she lights off of her camel, which is a picture. She, she's in the air. And when Isaac, he, he, he's, come on, you with me? He meets her there at this well. It's a picture of being, of the church being raptured. When the church becomes the bride of Christ. Right now you're in that time frame. It's tribulation. It's difficult. It's a hard journey. It's camel rides, man. It's sand in the face. It's all kinds of difficulties. Hallelujah. But you stay true to Him. When the actual marriage takes place, you're going to meet Him in the air. You're going to light off of your camel, which is a picture of prayer. You're going to... I made it. When you start following the Lord, I'm going to tell you it's not, it is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Praise the Lord. Amen. But it's going to be worth it all. How many of you believe it's going to be worth it all? You're on your knees praying like camels, man. You're, it's a hard journey. It gets tough, doesn't it, sometimes? But we're going to meet Him in the air. We're going to light off our camels. It's beautiful. Isaac has a relationship with God. Lohai Roi. The well. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the even time. He lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. For she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. Modesty. As I said before, she covered herself with a veil, but that's a picture when the church is raptured to meet the Lord, there's going to be a marriage that takes place. It's a picture when you change your body. Her veil is a picture of a new body that the church is going to put on. And the Bible says, Amen. She took a veil, covered herself, and the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother's tent. This is a picture of you going into the new Jerusalem. After you've been raptured. Hallelujah. And you get a changed body, a glorified body. Taken into the new Jerusalem. She takes Rebecca into Sarah's tent. And obviously at this point we've already saw that Sarah has died. Isaac, according to the 25th chapter, is 40 years of age when he gets married. Good, good age to marry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Takes her into Sarah's tent. She's going to be the, become the matriarchal head of everything in the place of Sarah. So there's a change here. There's a change from the abode she used to live in with her family members that she loosed to dwell with, that abode. Now she's moved and she's got a new abode. It's in Sarah's tent. 
It's a picture of you and I coming out of the abode of those that are on their way to hell. Making our move over. And I'm not saying the family members of Rebecca are going to hell. It's a type. It's a picture. There's a change in abode from hell to heaven. From hell to the new Jerusalem. That's what happened to you and I. Amen. That's what's going to happen to us when we are taken from this earth into the new Jerusalem. We're going to make a change. We will live forever in that heavenly city instead of being hell. And now her family members are the family members of the redeemed. Amen. She's made a household change. Those that are around her now are the, are the redeemed of the Lord. Typically. Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, took Rebecca, and she became his wife. He loved her. Amen. She became his wife and he loved her. There's a lot of people get married they're not loved. The wife is not loved. But the Bible says that Isaac loved her. Amen. That's saying something. All these qualifications on both sides, Isaac and Rebecca, but when they came together, the Bible says he loved her. Husbands, do you love your wives? The Bible says we're to love our wives. Amen. Christ loved the church. Gave his life for the church. Husbands are to love their wives. Amen. The Bible doesn't tell the wife to love the husband. She will. It tells the husband to love the wife because he has a problem with that. He loves himself. He's in love with himself. Everything has to revolve around him. Amen. Jesus is a different kind of husband. He laid down his life for her. He loved her. He loves us. Hallelujah. Do I love my wife? Do you love your wife? Saying a lot. She became his wife. He loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Isn't that a beautiful story? So I hit, I hit vaguely the redemptive aspect of it and the typical aspect of it as we went through because I've preached that before. But I wanted to bring to you some things that are practical practical application this morning from the passage about qualifications, things that must be met in order to find the right spouse. And I hope it's been a blessing to you. If you'll please stand. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you right now. We thank you, Lord, for your many blessings in our life. We thank you for your people today, mighty God. We ask your blessing to rest upon this